Ashley's UN Insights, a weekly look at the work of the United Nations. Welcome to Ashling's UN Insights. Having recently returned from an internship at the United Nations headquarters in New York, and with my family growing weary of my constant yammering on about it, I've decided to pass on what I've learned to you lovely listeners. The UN is heralding the 2020s as their decade of action. So what exactly is it that they're working on? This week we're looking at Sustainable Development Goal number 17, entitled Partnerships for the Goals. This Sustainable Development Goal aims to strengthen the means of implementation and revitalise the Global Partnership for Sustainable Development. This includes 19 goals, which are divided into the following categories. Finance, Technology, Capacity Building, Trade and Systematic Issues such as Policy and Institutional Coherence. The financial goals aim to mobilise financial resources for low-income countries and assist them with attaining long-term debt sustainability. The technology goals encourage increased cooperation and sharing of scientific and technological knowledge between countries. And the goal related to capacity building aims to increase international support for national plans to implement all the 17 sustainable development goals. And the goals related to trade promote non-discriminatory and equitable global trade with a particular emphasis on increasing exports from low-income countries. Finally, the goals related to systematic issues aim to enhance policy coherence and cooperation between countries as they work to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals, to encourage partnerships between public, private and civil society, and significantly increase the availability of high-quality, timely and reliable data on population structures and distributions to allow for appropriate policy implementation. So, how close are we to achieving those goals? The UN state that Strengthening multilateralism and global partnerships is more important than ever before. This is especially in the face of the global pandemic, which requires cooperation amongst governments, the private sector and civil society around the world. In 2019, net official development assistance totaled around $147.4 billion, and remittances to low- and middle-income countries were around $554 billion, which is about three times the amount of global official aid. But these remittances are thought to fall by about 20% due to the pandemic. Although fixed broadband subscriptions are increasing globally, there is still a big digital divide, the impact of which has been highlighted by COVID-19. Unfortunately, low-income countries still make up a marginal amount of total global trade exports, But as of 2019, 132 countries had national statistical legislation, which is a large increase from 71 countries in 2017, and 141 countries had implemented a national statistical plan. And between 2008 and 2017, 89% of countries or areas around the world conducted at least one population and housing census, which is important for monitoring development policies. And so, like the 16 Sustainable Development Goals before it, there has been some progress made towards SDG 17, but there is still a lot more to be done, which is especially important since achieving the goals in SDG 17 will help to achieve the other 16 Sustainable Development Goals over the next decade. 
The scope of the United Nations is huge, since there are many departments tackling different global issues. So each week I'm shining the spotlight on one department and looking at the work that they do. This week I want to look at the United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, whose acronym is OCHA, OCHA. It was originally created in December 1991, but was reformed into its current form in 1998. This department is responsible for coordinating humanitarian responses to emergencies, developing policies for humanitarian response and humanitarian advocacy. OCHA states that its role is to amplify the voices of affected people, champion humanitarian principles and action, and promote solutions to reduce humanitarian need, risk and vulnerability. And they have a handful of guiding principles for their work, which are humanity, neutrality, impartiality, independence, diversity, trust, gender equality and national and local ownership. OCHO is not an operational agency, so it doesn't deliver humanitarian programmes, but instead facilitates and coordinates different partners to provide humanitarian programmes themselves. The hope is that the coordination provided by OCHA will expand the reach of humanitarian action, improve prioritisation, reduce duplication and ensure that assistance and protection reaches those who need it most. OCHA also sources and coordinates humanitarian financing and provides leadership in developing humanitarian policy to help set the agenda for the humanitarian sector. OCHA also raises awareness of forgotten crises, promotes international humanitarian law, helps people obtain access to humanitarian assistance and amplifies the voices of crisis-affected peoples. This department also provides information management services to the humanitarian community to provide information which facilitates a rapid, effective and principled response. And this information also underpins their other work on coordination, policy-making and advocacy. Although OCHA has a presence in 30 countries, with an additional five regional offices, it has highlighted the situations in Syria and Yemen as the most complex and challenging humanitarian emergencies at the moment, which require the highest level of mobilisation across the humanitarian system. And OCHA has highlighted the COVID-19 pandemic and the East Africa locust infestation as corporate emergencies, which means that all OCHA offices, branches and sections must provide their full support to response activities related to these emergencies. There were a handful of international days this week. These days aim to raise awareness of a particular global issue, and if any of these topics really pique your interest, then I encourage you to look into them further, as that is exactly the aim of declaring international days in this way. Monday the 17th of September was the International Day of Clean Air for Blue Skies. The UN states that air pollution is the single greatest environmental risk to human health and one of the main avoidable causes of death and disease globally. In fact, air pollution causes approximately 6.5 million premature deaths per year and contributes to climate change, and so improving air quality will improve both human health and enhance climate change mitigation. Tuesday the 8th of September was International Literacy Day. This International Day is recognised to remind everyone of the importance of literacy for individuals, communities and societies, and the need for intensified efforts towards creating more literate societies. The specific theme this year 
is literacy teaching and learning in the COVID-19 crisis and beyond, with a particular focus on the role of educators and changing teaching methods during the pandemic. Wednesday the 9th of September was the International Day to Protect Education from Attack, which was marked for the first time this year in 2020. The UN want to spread awareness of how, without access to education, children living in conflict will grow up without the skills to contribute to their countries and economies, and that outside of school, children are easy targets of abuse, exploitation and recruitment by armed groups. Schools should provide a safe place for children to learn, and this in turn will reduce the likelihood of future conflicts. And yesterday, Saturday the 12th of September, was the United Nations Day for South-to-South Cooperation. This day recognises the importance and successes of countries in the Global South sharing knowledge, skills, expertise and resources to meet their development goals. South-to-South Cooperation is important because it contributes to national well-being, national and collective self-reliance and achieving internationally agreed development goals. So, What has been discussed at the UN this week? As before, if any of the things I mention particularly catch your attention, then you can hop on the UN Web TV website and watch the meetings in full. On Monday, there was a meeting of the Committee on Enforced Disappearances, and on Tuesday, there was a meeting of the Ministers of Finance about financing the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development in the era of COVID-19 and beyond. They aim to put together a menu of options for heads of states and governments to help them recover from the pandemic in the short term and build resilient and sustainable countries in the mid to long term. On Wednesday, they discussed the maintenance of international peace and security at the Security Council meeting. And at another Security Council meeting on Thursday, they discussed attacks against schools in the central Sahel region and ways to strengthen the protection of schools and the children attending them. And there was also a Security Council meeting about the situation in Syria on Thursday. Additionally, on Thursday, there was a high-level forum on the culture of peace and how to further promote this culture by bridging divides across and within societies and achieving peaceful coexistence as a foundation for achieving the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Throughout the week, there were also meetings of the UNICEF Executive Board to discuss their activities, finances and goals. That's all from me for now. Thank you for joining me over the last few months for your weekly dose of UN insights and news. I'm sure you'll hear from me again soon, but until then, I wish you all health and happiness. Bye for now. Ashling's UN Insights, a weekly look at the work of the United Nations. Brooklyn Radio.